What is up? Happy Friday. Welcome to a jam-packed Couch Potato Diary um, here from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is a one-stop locally owned commercial and residential cleaning company that focuses on providing the highest level of cleaning services and supplies to their clients. Find them online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. We got a lot going on on this show today. Going to have UFC preview. People have weighed in. It's fine. We have a bit of a preview of what is coming up next Wednesday from the back alley as Can-Am Pro Wrestling is back with a World Tag Team title match um, that is toward the top of the card there. So we're going to have Mark the Shark DiCarlo joining the show, and we got G-Rana on to preview AEW Revolution coming up this weekend. It's going to be very busy today, so I thank you all for tuning in. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. So... Let's start with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. We'll kind of go in chronological order, I guess, until we throw it off when we go to the interview of the guy who's doing the show for Wednesday. But um, I will admit, this has been a very difficult UFC for me to get into. Um, I I think Colby Covington, while I'm I'm, I'm sure there's just a character there, um, I, I think some of the stuff that he has done to promote his brand has been absolutely deplorable, and I, I want none of my money um, or brain power, quite frankly, to, to go to him. And it is, it's unfortunate he's so damn good that we have to keep talking about him. We will notice later on, not a lot of technical analysis with Greg Hardy, because I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to watch this guy in a fight. It's, it just, it sucks, man. And it's, the the whole build-up, the press conference was embarrassing for this, this weekend with Jorge Masvidal getting set to take on Colby Covington in the main event here. And it's like, like, I get it. I get that there is always this car crash element and there's a little bit of, well, if it's a personal issue, and I understand I'm different than a lot of people who are going to be tuning in on Saturday night. I just want to see who the best fighters are. I want to see the development of some of the young fighters that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. I want to see quality martial arts at its highest level, which I believe the Ultimate Fighting Championship can provide. So I don't need the, it's personal. This guy used to train this guy. Then this guy called this dude a motherfucker. Now they face off Saturday. Pay for the whole seat. You only need the edge. Like, I I don't need the, for lack of a better term, and I apologize if this stuff gets you. Um, I don't need the knuckle dragging. I don't need the, the grand political, I'm going to take this to Trump and I'm going to, I just, I don't need all that shit. And so fight nights like this weekend are really, really difficult for me to, to get behind. I say it with G in the interview that we had, um, that this is like the least likable UFC main card I can remember. And it's unfortunate because it was supposed to be a really great card with Alex Volkanovsky taking on Max Holloway. Uh, you have Piotr Jan taking on Aljamain Sterling, but both of those fights pull out. So we get the shit show that we have coming up this weekend. In terms of some of the undercard fights, just quickly running through uh, a couple of them. Uh, Tim Elliott fighting on this card is always interesting. You have someone with the name of Nurmagomedov, but it's not Khabib, obviously. Um, that would be a bit more of the focus, I am sure. Um, but let's get into a couple of the undercard fights. It is Marina Rodriguez taking on Yan Jian Nan uh, in the women's strawweight division. Rodriguez, 34 years old with a 65-inch reach, standing at 5'6", born in Brazil, with a 
a record of 15-1-2. Six of those wins by knockout, one by submission. Her only loss went to the judges' scorecard. Her last bout was Ultimate Fight Night in October of 2021. In the main event, she defeats Mackenzie Dern by unanimous decision. She has won three in a row, and those three, the aforementioned Dern, Michelle Watterson, and Amanda Hibas. The, um... The 34-year-old Rodriguez has also beat Tisha Torres and Jessica Aguilar. Her only loss coming by split decision to future title con uh, contender Carla Esparza. Her opponent, Jian Nan, 32 years old, 5'5", with a 63-inch reach, born in Shenyang, China, training out of China top team. She is 13-2 and with one no contest. Five wins coming by knockout. She has been stopped in both of her losses, including to the aforementioned Esparza back in May of 2021, her last bout, which ended an 11-fight unbeaten streak. There's a no contest in there. It was her first loss since 2010. She is 5-1 and in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. She last finished an opponent in two 2016. I am incredibly intrigued by this fight. I think that the these are two of the best strawweights in the world. I don't want to say up and coming because they're 32 and 34. Not that that's over the hill, he says, at the age of 32 now. But I think that these are two fighters who can be very, very good. And this is a real test to see who can move up into that upper echelon. I would suggest that Rodriguez is already there. Wins over Dern and Watterson put you into a different category. A loss to Carla Esparza, well, certainly not... Um, not anything to, to retire over or anything like that. It, it's a bit of a step back for Jianan. So I, I think Rodriguez, just the trajectory that she is on right now, I think uh, Rodriguez gets the win in this bout. I'm going to say it probably goes to the judges' scorecards. Up next is Jalen Turner against Jamie Malarkey in the lightweight division. Turner, 26 years old, standing at 6'3". Uh, with a 77-inch reach advantage out of San Bernardino, California, training at Adrenaline Combat Sports. 11-5 is the record. 8-0. and oh. Uh, sorry, eight wins by knockout. Uh, there's an O and KO. That's what threw me off. Anyway, three wins by submission. So all of those uh, finishes, including his last fight, a submission win at UFC 266 over Euros Medic. He has won three in a row. He has finished all of them the last two by submission, four and two in the UFC's octagon. After a win on the Contender Series, he made his professional debut in the World Series of Fighting. He has also fought at Tachi Palace Fights and at Bellator. So someone who has seen the bright lights a lot in just 16 fights as a 26-year-old. For Malarkey, 27 years old, standing at 6 feet tall with a 74-inch reach out of New South Wales, Australia, training at Magnus MMA and Central Coast MMA. He makes the walk to the octagon with a 15-4 and record, with 13 of those victories being stopped, including a fight over someone else on this card, Devonta Smith back at Ultimate Fight Night on October 2nd of 2021, giving him back-to-back -back wins after two losses to start his UFC career. Both of his wins, he's finished. Both of his losses, one to decision. Um, his only decision win was in his second career victory. This is, again, I think a, a really intriguing fight for a couple of fighters who are a bit on the come up. 26, 27 years old. A couple of fighters who are still pretty new to their um, octagon tenure, although... It's crazy, man. Turner, already six fights in the UFC. With some of these guys who fight on either the fight night cards or the prelims, it just, it really sneaks up on you. Interesting story about Turner. He actually grew up 
with arachnophobia, and to help combat his fear of spiders, he started correcti- uh, collecting tarantulas as pets. By the time he made his UFC debut, he had 200 of them. So he turned being arachnophobic into the nickname the tarantula. Talk about making your strength, uh, your weaknesses your strengths. That is crazy. Um, I, I think Turner gets the win in this belt, but I think it's a very close competitive fight. We go to the main card, and it's unfortunate. Sergey Spivak taking on Greg Hardy. This fight was initially supposed to be at UFC 270. Hardy withdrew from a finger injury, so it was moved to this weekend. For Spivak, 27 years old, six foot three, with a 78-inch reach, born in Moldova, 13-3 and three for his career, with um, 11 of the 13 wins being stopped. He has been stopped in two of his three losses, including his last one back at Ultimate Fight Night on September 4th, 2020. That ended a three-fight winning streak. He has wins over Jared Vandera and Tai Tuivasa. Started his career 9-0 before an L in his UFC debut. He is 4-3 in the octagon. Hardy is 33 years old, standing at 6'5 with a record of 7-4 with his last knockout, or his last loss coming against Tai Tuivasa at UFC 264. He has lost two in a row and is 2-3 in his last five. I find him to be a deplorable human being who has not... um, necessarily come forward in the ways that you would want someone to after the allegations um, that were presented against him. And because of this, I just, I can't bring myself to talk too much about him. I I think Sergey wins. That'd be three losses in a row for Greg Hardy. Hopefully he's out of my life forever after this bout. Kevin Holland taking on Alex Oliveira in the welterweight division. Holland, 29 years old, staying at six foot three with an incredible 81 inch reach. Born in Riverside, California, training at Travis Luter, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Was it Luter who, was it Luter who uh, Goldberg called the Michael Jordan of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? God, no, it's not him. I'm blanking on this now. I shouldn't have brought this up. I, I, don't think I'm going to, I should edit this out. I'm not going to. Uh, anyway, Holland, 21 and seven with one no contest, 12 victories by way of knockout, five by submission. He has also been submitted twice with five decision losses. His last fight, a no contest on October 2nd of last year against Kyle Dawkins, uh, accidental clash of heads. It was a two fight losing streak before this with losses to Vittori and Brunson. So maybe not necessarily at the tippy top of welterweight, of middleweight, sorry, but he returns to to welterweight for the first time since 2017. Those two L's follow a five-win 2020. He holds the record for most wins in a calendar year in UFC middleweight history with five, and most bouts in a 12-month period in UFC history with seven. That is crazy. He is eight and four in the UFC after a win on the Contender Series. He also has a win in Bellator and has been a pro since 2015. Oliveira, with a complicated past, comes in with a 34, or comes in at 34 years old. 5 foot 11, 76 inch reach, training out of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. 22, 11 and 1 with two no contests on his career, coming off of a unanimous decision loss to Nico Price back on Ultimate Fight Night on October 2nd of 2021. He has lost three in a row, the first of the three, uh, this one was the first of the three where he wasn't submitted. He is two and six in his last eight. And for someone who has this gunslinger, um, wild, crazy knockout guy uh, type of a reputation, hasn't stopped an opponent since 2018. I have said before, the reputation for Oliveira far outweighs the ability at this point. I, I think Holland 
kind of beats the crap out of him, to be perfectly honest. And I said before, there is a complicated backstory with this man. Um, ten children from various relationships, which I'm not going to say is complicated. You do you, homie. Um, he suffered a leg injury in 2018. He went for surgery on Christmas Eve that year to remove fragments from a grenade when he went uh, to get gas for his mom's car in Tres Rios, Brazil, and a grenade was thrown towards him. Also... Reports indicating a seemingly intoxicated Oliveira got into an altercation with a security guard during a party on May 24th, 2019. The next morning, Oliveira showed up at his wife's apartment where he allegedly assaulted her, fleeing the scene on a motorcycle with their baby daughter. The child was found on May 26th at one of Oliveira's sister's apartments. He was actually kind of a missing person until he just popped up for a fight at UFC 248. It is, uh, again, a complicated background. For Cowboy Oliveira, um, he is a heavy underdog, and I think rightfully so, going into this bout tonight. Edson, or sorry, Saturday night. Edson Barbosa taking on Bryce Mitchell in the featherweight division. Barbosa, 20, uh, 36 years old, sorry, at 5'11", 75-inch reach, born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. 22-10 and 10 is the record. 13 wins coming by knockout. He has also been stopped in six of his 10 losses, including his last one to Giga Chikadze back at the UFC on ESPN on August 28th of 2021. That ended a two-fight winning streak, which puts Barbosa now at 2-2 two and two in the featherweight division. Although, uh, three and six in his last nine, after an amazing run where he beat Dariush, Melendez, and Pettis, he was ready to go, and it's kind of fallen off since then. 15 and 10 in the UFC after making his UFC debut at UFC 123, Rampage Against Machida, a pro since 2009. Um, and this is someone who has literally been fighting his entire life. He was born premature at 28 weeks, had a 50-50 chance of survival. Uh, not only has he survived, he has thrived, as he has been one of the most exciting UFC fighters for, I mean, the last 150 UFC-numbered events. Bryce Mitchell, 27 years old, 5'9", with a 70-inch reach, born in Cabot, Arkansas. 14-0 is the record. Five wins by decision, the rest by submission. He has a unanimous decision win over Andre Feely back on Halloween 2020. He is an alumni of the Tough Undefeated show. He is 5-0 in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, which includes a twister submission in 2019. That was the only fight on his resume not to go to decision. Finished his first eight wins. He also has two victories at WSOF and a pro since 2015. This is an up and coming prospect and he is facing an interesting challenge tonight. It is clear from the resume, uh, nine submission wins, no knockout wins. This is someone who is rather skilled in the grappling department. He is going up against someone who is extremely skilled on the feet. I, I want to pick Barbosa in the worst way. He has been my favorite fighter or one of my favorite fighters for forever. Going back to the just stunning knockout of Terry Adam back at UFC 143, I believe that was. Um, he is an extremely skilled striker. It does seem like it is slowing down for him a little bit, though. I... I still think he has it. I'm going to I'm going to go on a limb on this one and say that Barbosa gets the win in a big featherweight division bout. This is an interesting one. It is a catchweight at 160 pounds between Rafael Dos Anjos and Hanato Moicano. Um this fight has been all over the place. It's also a 5-round fight. So the kind of 
tale that we weave going into this one. Dos Anjos was supposed to fight Islam Makachev back on October 24th of 2020, but he tested positive for COVID. It was rescheduled for November 14th. Makachev pulled out for an injury. Paul Felder took the fight on a week's notice. Dos Anjos gets the win. That's his last victory, a split decision back November 14th, 2020. Um, Dos Anjos was then scheduled to fight Rafael Fiziev back on February 19th of 2022. It was postponed to a visa issue. Fiziev uh, then tests positive for COVID. This week, we found out on fucking Tuesday that this was happening. Hanano Moicano steps in on four days notice to take this bout. Hence, 160 pound catchweight. This was supposed to be a five round fight on a... Um, on a fight night card, obviously that's not happening, but it is a five-round fight anyway for the former lightweight champion, Rafael Dos Anjos, who is 37 years old, 5'8", with a 70-inch reach, born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, training at Evolve MMA, 30 and 13 for his career with 15 finishes on his resume. Um, his victory over Paul Felder was a return to lightweight after a 4-4 four and four run at welterweight. He has losses to Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman. Um, the win also ended a three-fight losing streak for him. His last seven bouts have gone at least 15 minutes. Six of them have gone longer. The one that didn't was only scheduled for three rounds, so he physically couldn't have fought any longer. The former champion beat Anthony Pettis for the title, defended it against Cowboy Cerrone, and then lost it to Eddie Alvarez. He is a remarkable 19-10 and 10 in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. His UFC debut was UFC 91 with Randy Couture and Brock Lesnar fighting at the top of the card. He fought on the undercard with George Gergel and Mark Bocek. The co-main event was Kenny Florian against Joe Daddy Stevenson. So th this is someone who can help fill out a lot of six degrees of separation when it comes to previous eras of MMA. He has been fighting for a long time. He is a fourth degree Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, turned pro in 2004 after winning a jiu-jitsu world championship in 2003. Moicano, 32 years old. He stands at 5'11 with a 72-inch reach, born in Brasilia, Brazil, trains an American top team. 16-4-1 is the professional record for Moicano with seven decision wins, the rest coming by submission. He has been knocked out in three of his four losses submitted in the other one. He is coming off of a fight that I was really impressed with at the last UFC pay-per-view, UFC 271 against Alex Hernandez on February 12th, so less than a month ago. I The thing that I liked about Moicano was his finishing instincts, how quickly he, it, it, like just, it was a normal two, three punch combination that just kept going and just kept going, and just kept going, and eventually got the win. It was, he noticed something that was a little bit off in Hernandez's game, and I think he was able to kind of power forward and secure the finish. He is now on a two-fight winning streak, 3-1 and one at lightweight after a move to featherweight, um, or after the move from featherweight, sorry. His last four wins have been by submission, 7-4 and four in the UFC with three decisions. I like Moicano's game a lot. I think I might be blinded a little bit because that was one of my favorite performances of the night back at UFC 271. He got off to a slow start, and that would be concerning against a bit of a grinder like Dos Anjos, but I think Moicano will get the job done here in an amazing short notice story. Which brings us to the main event of the evening. It is Jorge Masvidal taking on Colby Covington. Covington, 34 years old, standing 5'11 with a 72-inch reach, born in Colvis, California. 
he or Clovis, California. He trains at MMA Masters, 16 and 3 for his career. He has finished exactly half of his wins, and he has been finished in exactly two-thirds of his losses. One of the ones where he wasn't finished was a unanimous decision loss to Kamaru Usman back in his last fight at UFC 268. He has losses in two of his last three fights. Both of those are to Kamaru. We're going to see a theme here. He had won seven in a row leading into that first Usman fight. The former interim welterweight champion, both of his losses to Usman are for the, the main title. 10-3 and three in the UFC, a pro since 2012, and a former Division I All-American wrestler at Oregon State. His opponent, Masvidal, 37 years old, standing 5'11", with a 74-inch reach, born in Miami, Florida, training at American Top Team, which has been the center for a lot of the hate this week. 35-15 and 15 is the career record for Masvidal, that is, again, professional record anyway. 16 wins by knockout, two by submission. He has also been knocked out twice and submitted twice. He was knocked out in his last fight, losing to Kamaru Usman at UFC 261. Back-to-back -back losses to Usman after a three-fight winning streak. He owns the fastest knockout in UFC history, 12-8 and in the UFC, including a win over Nate Diaz for the BMF championship. I don't see, okay, based on merit, I don't see either of these men fighting Kamaru Usman again for the welterweight championship. They would both love if Usman was able to pull the trigger and go fight Canelo Alvarez in September and get his head knocked off. But they would love if the welterweight title was just up for grabs because I think if Kamaru Usman doesn't exist, these are two fighters, th this fight could conceivably be for the welterweight championship. These are two very skilled fighters. Colby Covington has been fighting for relevance for a while and that is when he started, he called Brazil and all of their people dirty. He paid models, in quotation marks, to walk around with him and cause a ruckus in Vegas. He has said some horribly offensive things to try to stay relevant. Now, he has to use his hands and his feet for approximately 25 minutes to stay relevant when it comes to the fight game as another loss here and all that shit talking doesn't mean a whole lot when you've lost to the top two guys in the division. For Masvidal, he has rocketed into this form of relevancy coming off of the Ben Askren knockout. The story is um, fairly well told. He was on a reality show and he was kind of like, what the hell am I doing with my life? And he was able to turn it around, gets the giant knockout of Askren, turns it into the BMF fight with Nate Diaz. The rock is there. It turns into, turns him into one of the biggest stars in the UFC. Since then though, back-to-back -back losses to Kamaru Usman. Again, if you want to stay relevant when it comes to being one of the best fighters in the world, this is a fight you need to win. Both of these fighters are desperate for a victory in this bout to try to stay relevant in the welterweight landscape. How much that matters is depressingly little, actually, when you look at how these two are both able to talk their way into fights. But for the purposes of this show, the whole smart sports fan thing, this is where this comes in. I don't give a shit about how much you can talk your way into a title fight. It pains me to hear Dana not just brush off the thought of Connor getting the next title shot. It pains me to hear that the winner of this fight could say, yeah, jump the line and get another shot at Kamaru Usman. I hate that kind of stuff, and I hate that the UFC is into it, but just from a strictly fighting perspective and a strictly who is the best martial artist on the planet, these two desperately need a victory in this fight to stay relevant in that spot. For Masvidal, I noted this on Twitter earlier this week, this is someone whose career really 
can highlight the early post-tough boom of this sport. Because you, you had like, we, we, we all know the, the dark ages where, I mean, A, it's the, this wild no rules thing in UFC 1 and 2 and everyone's watching on pay-per-view and then John McCain calls it human cockfighting and it's only legal in like 12 states in the United States. And so there, there's this dark period. Tough comes, everyone sees the light on mixed martial arts and from there, everyone wanted a piece, right? Like the fastest growing sport in the world, Everyone wanted a piece. You know Bodog? The, the place where you can, like, place bets. They have an online casino. All of those sorts of things. They also had a fight promotion at one time, and Jorge Masvidal fought in it. He fought against Eve Edwards. This is someone who was on the undercard of Kimbo Slices on the street. Not in Elite XC or on CBS. No, on YouTube. Dude was fighting on the undercard for Kimbo. Like, just every little weird MMA thing you want to swim down any stream you want to go on to with um, weird early MMA Masvidal has dabbled fought Eve Edwards at Bodog fight fought in Strike Force, which is fine fought at the Playboy Mansion in Strike Force. fought in the Bellator tournaments Bellator 5 he gets caught in an inverted triangle by Toby Amata this is someone who the early days of uh, MMA if you want a bit of a history lesson on how it was you can go back and look at Jorge Masvidal's resume because he like he fought with uh, he fought on the same shark fights card on access TV as Sokaju for the like three fight fans who are gonna recognize that it's crazy how far back in this game Masvidal goes and it's unfortunate that he's had to kind of turn into a bit of a caricature to kind of stay relevant I also like for Colby, I, I have no excuses for any type of racist behavior. I don't necessarily agree with all of Masvidal's um, kind of political leanings, but for him, there is a bit of an unenviable task of you're going up against Kamaru Usman, who is just a remarkably likable figure. And so Masvidal has kind of had to turn up the, the, the heel heat a little bit on this one, so to speak. So an interesting bout coming up in the welterweight division I feel like Masvidal has more tools in the toolbox, but I think the ones that Covington has can make, like, Masvidal has more tools. Colby might have harder hitting tools, if that makes sense. I didn't want to go bigger because that implies a lot. Anyway, I I think Colby wins this one, um, and I'm going to, to hate it, but I, I... I envision something crazy going down at the end of this fight. I really do. So anyway, there is your UFC 272 breakdown. We will not be going live immediately following UFC 272. It's going to be a busy weekend with Revolution going down. So I might do something on Sunday morning, but for sure Sunday night after AEW Revolution, we will have a post-fight show. All right, so that is the MMA breakdown. Coming up next, we have a preview of what's going down locally at the Can-Am Arena at the back alley coming up on March 9th. A uh, bit of a break, and then we'll hear from Mark the Shark DiCarlo. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need a top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! He is a favorite around these parts. Very happy to welcome back to the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studios, Mark the Shark DiCarlo. Mark, uh, Shark, how are you today, sir? Mark is good and so is the shark. Thanks, Kleiner. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just wanted to uh, let everybody know, especially those that think otherwise in Winnipeg, Manitoba, that Calgary is the professional wrestling capital 
of the world. Yeah, it's th- those are just the facts. That is a factual shirt that you are wearing there. That's correct. Um, yeah. And we, we continue to add to the Calgary Wrestling Legacy with Can-Am Wrestling back at the back alley coming up on March 9th, uh, traveling around Alberta and have been doing a great job with that. I guess before we get into to some of the specifics, we're now a few months into this thing. Um, how, how do you feel Can-Am has been doing and the, the growth that you are seeing with the promotion so far? I think we've been doing fantastic and even if i wasn't involved in the promotion i would from afar look at everything that can-am wrestling has been doing under at the best peter dubious circumstances with the pandemic uh restrictions on everything uh from building capacity to what exactly we can and cannot do as a professional wrestling promotion for those that don't know uh march 1st in alberta Mostly all restrictions have been lifted, so we're exceedingly happy about that. And we have been on a steady incline as far as attendance at the shows. Um, everywhere that we've been running, whether, I mean, in all the shows, for those that don't know, have been in and around the Calgary area. Airdrie, the Back Alley Nightclub every other Wednesday at the can Arena. Uh, Okotoks at the uh, Town and Country Center, or pardon me, <laughs> Airdrie is the Town and Country Center. Okotoks is the Centennial Center. Of course, the Cypress Center in Medicine Hat and the Civic Center in Strathmore. All the attendance at the shows have been on a steady incline. It's uh, It's been fantastic. The talent locally in Western Canada um, and talent that we've been bringing in from around the world have been certainly lending to some spectacular Can-Am wrestling shows over the last little while. And we invite all the fans out. Of course, we return to the back alley next Wednesday. Um, and it is a great show. Um, there's some great matches and it is all topped off and capped off Peter by a lights out, unsanctioned match between the despicable nefarious and vertically challenged mastermind and he'll be facing the runaway rebel Aaron six these two have a history um the mastermind and the variants laid out Aaron six put him in a neck brace try to take him out of the business in really his first match um put his neck in a chair and stomped on him. Uh, he's lucky to be walking. Never mind wrestling. This should be the, the runaway rebel will be looking for retribution. Say that three times in a hurry uh, <laughs> next Wednesday at the back alley and the current and reigning Can-Am wrestling world tag team champions, the greatest tag team in the world. And they'll tell you exactly mm-hmm. that uh, big business, Sydney Steele. And the headline, Sean Martin's The Brand, will be putting up the titles against the um, tag team of the Prophets. Now, the Prophets were a tag team when we rebooted Can-Am Wrestling. And unfortunately, uh, Rhino Reynolds' tag team partner, Chris Castles, had an injury. He was out. He had some surgery. He's back. He's been training. The tag team is fantastic and it should be a hell of a match between the brand and the profits and we're going to take a trip back in the can-am wrestling 
time machine, Peter, next Wednesday as the tag team of the Porta Party, not potty, Porta Party, Taipei Michael May and Mr. Tropical Paradise himself, Devin Veer. They will be busting out their party attire when they return to the back alley to face the Can-Am Wrestling tag team of the All-American Steve Rivers and Mr. Happy Pants, Dancing Machine, the one and only... Should we even tell the people? Vinny <laughs> Fever. I said Vinny Fever is returning after a long hiatus, not hiatus hernia, but a long hiatus from professional wrestling. And he actually was the choice of Steve Rivers to be his tag team partner when they go up against Porta Party next Wednesday. And I hear from the powers that be at the Alberta Wrestling Academy that Vinny Fever has been training three times a day. And I don't mean at the buffet table. I mean, in the ring, on the weights. And he's, he's got a surprise for Porta Party. And it should be unbelievable. There's some great other matches. Tickets are on sale right now online at canamwrestling.ca or at the door, at the back alley. It's going to be unbelievable. Some great food and drink specials, as always, pumped out by Matt and Jamal and Dennis at the legendary back alley nightclub, all going down next Wednesday, March 9th, here in Calgary. I um I, I feel like Steve has something up his sleeve. That that, that guy's a real bad egg. I, I I worry a little bit for Vinny, if I'm being perfectly honest here. I, I feel like there's something nefarious afoot. You feel as though there might be some rivers shenanigans. I think so. I think there could be shenanigans and tomfoolery. I think both could be in play. And shenanigans. And speaking of up his sleeve, let's not forget who the All-American Steve Rivers manager is. And for those of you that don't know, the legendary former manager of Stampede Wrestling's Karachi Vice, Abu Wiesel, speaking of shenanigans, will be at the back alley in the Can-Am Arena to manage the All-American Steve Rivers and you would think that with Vinny Fever on Rivers' team, he would also be managing Vinny Fever. But you're right, Kleiner. I'm always sure about one thing with Abu Wiesel, and that's that I'm never quite sure. Yeah, yeah. You shake his hand and make sure all your fingers are thereafter, because uh, there, there's something, there's something up with that guy. Um, I want to touch on on Rhino Reynolds for a second, because uh, he is someone who had a, a bit of a thing there with Steve Rivers um, in, in kind of the early reincarnation here um t- for for someone who is kind of still that young in the business and now working their way up to get that experience of being like in the main event in title matches against a veteran like steve rivers having to deal with everything that goes with some of those matches um th- that has to be just a, a valuable valuable experience for a young performer like that well absolutely and uh for those that don't know rhino reynolds six foot three 295 pounds athletic 
Um, yes, still relatively new to the business, but you're right, Peter. He has had some fantastic matches with some veterans of the game in Western Canada, um, not the least of which is Steve Rivers, as you mentioned, had some great matches with the Canadian crusher, AJ Sanchez, one of your favorites. Mm -hmm. And all of the experience that Rhino Reynolds, and for that matter, everybody else that has come through the Alberta Wrestling Academy and is now wrestling in Can-Am Wrestling has got an invaluable amount of tools around them, given the fact that we've got some fantastic veterans of the business in Can-Am Wrestling and a great learning ground for all of the young and up-and-coming stars, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that's something I talked about um, with, with Otto a few weeks ago. In like, you, you're putting on this show, you want uh, the, the best product out there, but this is also a good learning experience for a lot of the, these young performers who are coming up. I, I, I would find that to be kind of a, a tricky balance to walk, where this can't just be a full developmental, hey, this is this guy's third match and his second, let's see what happens. Um, but at the same time, like you want that experience. That, that feels like from a promotional standpoint, like it would be a tricky line to walk. Well, it's always a tricky line, no matter what type of entertainment you're, you're talking about. And in professional wrestling, I don't like to use the term sports entertainment. We'll leave that for others. But in, in our brand of professional wrestling and Can-Am wrestling, um, every performer or wrestler has a number of things that he or she has to take care of, whether it's their look, their body type, their, their gear, their presentation in and out of the ring, on the microphone, in front of a camera, in front of the crowd, with sponsors. And that is what is the, to steal a Lex Luger line, the total package as far as what new performers must go through in their learning process to hone all their skills and all the facets of the game and uh the the young stars rhino reynolds chris castles david disaster um so many others um have been doing a magnificent job and are steadfast in their commitment to training whether it's at the alberta wrestling academy or wherever they're going um and the result i personally believe has been exponential um, over the last few months since the reboot of Can-Am Wrestling um, last August. And um, we invite everybody to come out and see what we have in store for them next Wednesday at the Back Alley. And uh, we also have some fantastic uh, shows coming up to balance out the month of March in uh, Strathmore in Airdrie, in Okotoks, and in Medicine Hat. And we invite you all to uh, check out our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and our brand new fantastic TikTok channel. It's got some live streaming, or not live anymore, but some streaming matches that have happened and some interviews, and it is really, really great. And of course, last but not least, Check out Can-Am Wrestling on YouTube, our Slam TV channel. 
All of the episodes from season one Homecoming are now up and available for viewing. And we're very excited to soon be debuting season two Arrival. There will be six episodes there. There will be play-by-play and color commentary with a yet-to-be-unveiled surprise play-by-play and color commentary team and some other shenanigans in season two. And once, once again, check out Slam TV on YouTube and bring yourself up to speed on what's happening in and around Can-Am Wrestling. Yeah, there, there's a lot to check out, and it's uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to to go to the the Canem Arena at the back alley um, every couple of weeks to to catch the shows, and I'm looking forward to it again coming up on the the ninth and then on the twenty third. Um, the you mentioned before the the tag team champions of the world, the the brand with Sydney Steele and Sean Martins. I'll be chatting with them uh, a little bit later on as we get ready for the show coming up on March 9th. Um, Peter, but you, you've you've got the brand. I've got the brand. The Potato Diary podcast. This is correct. Yes. Yeah. Coming to a podcast near you. I'm uh, I'm going to forewarn you that you might, between Steele and Martins, be challenged to get a word in edgewise with the two of them. <laughs> yeah, one of those uh, prep two questions and just let them run, hey? Well, you know, they're both a couple of stars in their own mind. And, you know, Martins has a great line and it always ends, he always ends his segments with, I'm not even going to say it. Yeah, I'll, I'll let him. It. I'll let, let him. him let him expound. Yeah, his own promotional train, if you will. Yeah, th- those are two guys. I feel like I can just say, "Hey, how awesome are you?" And like, I could go make a coffee. I could go build a puzzle. Like, I, I think I think they could just run with it after that. Um, but those are uh, again a couple of guys who have um, kind of I, I don't want to say on the other side of the, the conversation, but they are more established veterans and guys who like, but I, I, we've talked about it before in text. I feel like um, both of them are starting to, to kind of hit their stride. I just noticed that from a fan perspective, as someone who has been in the industry for a long time, what, what does that look like to you when there, there's a group that's just like, Oh, they've figured something out. You know what? Um, the headline Sean Martins and big, big, big business, Sydney Steele have been in the business in Western Canada. And for that matter, They've wrestled all over the world. Um, Steele last year was in Mexico. Uh, Martins often uh, wrestles in the United States. And they both separately have got an amazing amount of charisma and intestinal fortitude. Some would say testicular fortitude. Um, And they are fantastic performers and they were for a long time as singles performers in Can-Am wrestling and in other promotions as well. But since they have decided to combine their skills and form the tag team of the brand, they have some chemistry. They are absolutely the single best tag team, in my humble opinion, in Canada right now that works on a regular basis, obviously, by their holding the Can-Am Wrestling World mm-hmm. Tag Team titles. That says a lot because they have faced the best of the best and they have faced the gods of metal. They have faced the men in pink. They have faced so many tag teams 
They're going to face the Prophets next Wednesday. And they have faced so many tag teams, and they have put down all of them in convincing fashion, sometimes with some skullduggery and by nefarious methods. But, you know, a, a famous color commentator and wrestler once said, when if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. <laughs> it's kind of the kind of the credo of the brand. Um, but whether you like them or you don't like them, and the fans generally hate them, um, they are fantastic in the ring and they get the job done and their timing is meticulous. And it'll be interesting to see what happens um, over the next few months because there is some big challenges coming their way but first things first next wednesday at the back alley when they face the team of rhino reynolds and chris castles the prophets mm -hmm. yes i their steel cage match where they they won the titles i i was disappointed to see it end in part because they won and they're awful human beings uh but just that the match was so good that i i just i was like i i, I wanted to see more of it so definitely go check them out coming up march 9th at the back alley uh, and you know what peter there is a we have to address the fact that the current and reigning world champion in Can-Am wrestling is none other than arguably the biggest fan favorite that we have. And there are mm -hmm. many. The Cheetah Bear will be putting his Can-Am wrestling world title on the line against somebody that wrestles in Southern Alberta, in Medicine Hat and Lethbridge on a, on a regular basis, but doesn't make it up to these parts very often, but he's a magnificent wrestler hated by the fans. He doesn't like anybody and nobody likes him. And that's Tyler Knox. Okay. And he wrestles often in uh, pure power wrestling on a Lethbridge. Fantastic wrestler. Never faced the Cheetah Bear before. Cheetah Bear is going to have his back up against the wall because Tyler Knox is a fantastic wrestler who will win by any means necessary and he doesn't care how he gets it done as long as he wins and the cheetah bear has had some very huge challenges over the last little while since he won the title and i hope the cheetah bear is not overlooking tyler knox because he hasn't been in and around can-am wrestling much but trust me when i say Tyler Knox is a more than formidable opponent for the Can-Am Wrestling World Champion, the Cheetah Bear, and all the fans are going to see what I'm talking about next Wednesday at the Can-Am Arena at the back alley. Nice. Yeah, that, that's actually where I was going to go next was asking you about him. And um, the, 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 the sheer, I don't want to say fear because I don't think sharks feel fear, but uh, the, the, the uncomfortableness every time you have to hold the microphone for Cheetah Bear, who fan favorite, awesome, awesome performer, but seems like could just explode at any time. Um, it, it's always entertaining. Cheetah Bear is very entertaining. And <laughs> uh, as somebody that's interviewed him many times, I play it very straight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Introduce him, ask him a question, and generally either stand back and hold the microphone or just give him the microphone. <laughs> because I, I, I'm never quite sure what Cheetah Bear is going to say, but he's always entertaining. One of the most articulate and entertaining wrestlers that there are currently in Canada working on a regular basis. 
And for those of you that haven't been exposed or indoctrinated to the videography and verbal articulate nature that the cheetah bear is go on can-am wrestling either tiktok or facebook and check out some of the cheetah bears over the top promos nice it's fantastic yeah uh, all right, so March 9th at the back alley. Tickets are available now, uh, but uh, give us another rundown of uh, what's coming up here for, for Can-Am. Well, Can-Am has got some great shows coming up this month. Like I mentioned, uh, and you did too, next Wednesday at the Can-Am Arena at the Legendary Back Alley Nightclub, we're going to be in Okotoks, Airdrie, Strathmore, Medicine Hat to find out the dates, the show times, ticket information. The event pages are up. On our Facebook page, simply search Can-Am Wrestling and directly go on canamwrestling.ca for all of the event information, times, dates, and you can purchase tickets online at canamwrestling.ca. Or if you prefer, you can call Otto at 403-369-3677. He'll answer the phone day or night. It doesn't matter. Shark, thank you so much for this. Um, it's been fun watching Can-Am's growth and I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you, the Couch Potato Diary podcast, all of your sponsors for the continual support of Can-Am Wrestling. And Peter, we'll see you at the matches. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. Very pleased to welcome back to the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. He is the one and only G Rana. Um, G, I, I have made you preview a bunch of WWE stuff with us in the past, so I thought, you know what? We have a very good AEW card coming up. Let, let, let's have G talk about something he actually enjoys for a, a moment here as uh, we got you on for some AEW. How are you today, sir? I'm all right, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, dare I say, it's a welcoming change. Um, <laughs> because last time we chatted, it was prior to the uh, Rumble. And I texted you after the Rumble and uh, along the lines of, man that was a letdown that was yeah that was not that was not the best of shows and especially because it's the rumble it's one of the very few things that i do genuinely get excited for when it comes to wwe but yeah and uh, you know you touched on it right there it's a it's a very good card here <clears throat> excuse me on uh revolution man i this is a stacked card if anything yeah. this, this is just and if there's one thing that i absolutely love about AEW, continue on with just the four pay-per-views yeah, completely agree. Completely. Like sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say, like this format of four pay-per-views, it gets you excited. It 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 doesn't like you don't get lost in the shuffle, you know, like like you do with WWE a lot of the times. And I mean, last time they had a pay-per-view was full gear, and I was super amped about that. So yep. it's it's like every time that they do of one of their four pay-per-views, I, I still get excited. And it, it's it's like every time they stack the card even more and even more and even more and it's it's it it genuinely just gets better 
Yeah. Well, and you can then make your TV be more important when you have big things on television too, right? Oh, yeah. You can do, you can do a beach blast or from Cleveland. Um, and you can do like all, all these other specialty shows actually on television. And it makes the, the TV more, uh, to, to steal a phrase from a current wrestler, more must see, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so before we get into this, AEW now, own, or I guess Tony Khan more specifically, owns Ring of Honor. That was a bombshell drop last night. My mind has been racing with all the different possibilities, uh, but I, I want to get your take. Well, what do you think of the new ownership for Ring of Honor? I think it makes perfect sense. It really honestly does, because if there's one of the critiques about AEW right now is they have a bloated roster. They have a whole lot of moving parts and, and a lot of guys and gals coming in and coming out. And if you want to use ROH as like its own separate brand, but talent is free to kind of move about between the two, I'm totally down with that. And then also with the, the, the press release came out last night as well. And, and Tony Khan now has, uh, he owns their, their library. And mm -hmm. I'm assuming with that comes all the licensing. And with that comes toys, clothing, and AEW is coming out with a video game soon. And if ROH is part of that, can you imagine like oh. old Daniel Bryan versus new Daniel Bryan, old CM Punk versus new CM Punk. So, I mean, you know, the possibilities are endless and it, it makes sense because so prior to Kenny and the Bucks leaving ROH years ago, I think their prices like the, the, the company's price was I pretty much I, I think it was at like an all time high. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at some of the stats. I, I think it was valued at 30 million just two years ago. And that had dramatically dropped off when Kenny and the Bucks left. And depending on how much Tony Khan bought it for, like it's a bit of a bargain because yeah. ROH has, it hasn't been the same since uh, those guys left. And yeah, if you want to revitalize the brands, fuck who better to do with than Tony Khan, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, I have so many thoughts on it. Like I, I think it's, I, I, I don't want it to be just like a strict developmental thing. No, but I think, no. But I think it'd be good for people like, you know, like a private party or like we saw all of those tag teams last night in the, the Battle yeah. Royal. They have a lot of very good tag teams. And they just, like you said, they have a lot of talent. So just have them be able to, to bounce back and forth like three months in Ring of Honor and then three months back on AEW. And if you have like a stretch like Lance Archer, just had a feud for the title and now he's nowhere to be seen. Um, sure. And like, you could now have him bounce down to ring of honor for a little bit, like have a, a core of ring of honor there. And then like, just have some people whoa, knocking microphones all over the place. I'm just so excited. So um, excited. Right. <laughs> um, but have that core there of people that you can kind of mix in with, with everything. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I love it. My still my number one thing. Cause I, I worry about burnout for, for Tony Khan. Cause he's already, doing a lot with, with AEW. Yeah. I would have William Regal running that show. Yeah, same here. I, 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 I wanted to say the exact same thing too. You know, if you want to, if you want to have not just an authority figure, but somebody who kind of, you know, can run shit. It's like, to me, it's, it's William Regal. It's William yeah. Regal. And then who the f knows what's going to happen with Cody. But if this entire thing was maybe, hey, so I know you don't, you can't really do what you want to do on AEW. 
just wait a few weeks while as I buy ROH. Right. And that's right. And so like, who knows what's going to happen with Cody, but yeah, I'm with you hundred percent when it comes to William Regal, man, what a, what a negotiation tactic that is. Look, right? I know, I know the other, the, the other side can maybe give you a little bit more of what you want. What if I just buy you a company? Yeah. Uh, be, yeah. <laughs> like Kenny, um, when Kenny's contract is coming up, Tony's going to go out and buy PWG. Like he's just going to get yeah. all of these things. Like what? Young Bucks, you can run Shimmer. Fine. We're yeah. just going to buy all these companies. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, hey, or, hey, Kenny, I heard New Japan is 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 in the deal of uh, they might be selling. Kenny, it's it's all yours, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny is running New Japan strong or whatever the, the American thing is. Yeah. You know? Like, it's just. Um, yeah. But no, I, I think I think it's great. Um, I wonder, like, from a talent perspective, like for for the actual performers, it's it's a little there's a bit of a notch down because like this is now ring of honor before was a place that you could go negotiate contracts with and, and sure. kind of like try to up your value a little bit now you're negotiating with the same guy on two of them so that's it's a little bit of an amp but overall i, I think just a, a great thing and if there's one thing we know about tony khan and his appreciation for history he's he's not going to let the ring of honor brand die at least and that 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 makes me feel very good as someone who has been watching it for a very long time yeah yeah and i mean he even said it during his announcement, you know, as, as, and this, his words, he was like, as a person who's, you know, still part of the internet wrestling community, I, I'm, I've been a huge fan since day one. And, you know, you can tell that he just gets super excited. And when he gets super excited, I think that's when you can see he's very genuine about it. Yeah. And yeah, like it's, it's great. I think it's fantastic because ROH had done everything right during the pandemic. You know, we talked about it in our best and worst of at the end of last year. They paid their performers. They they paid their staff. They did everything right. But financially, it just didn't make any sense. And so now it's this revitalization. And I'm, I'm totally on board with it. And again, like, you know, the, 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 the cross platform, you know, whatever you want to call it, like, it's the possibilities are endless and yeah. again with this uh quote 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 unquote bloated roster you can still bring in new talent or you can develop new talent whatever it may be it's i think it's i think it's fantastic yeah um so still a lot on this story to unfold but uh, i think very interesting uh the, the news that broke on wednesday um all right let's get into aew revolution um hopefully i won't knock my microphone over this time as we're talking about it because if there's one person you're going to get excited for it's hook as he is wrestling QT Marshall, um, QT Marshall. Sorry. I'm still used to when he came into ring of honor as QT Marshall. And so yeah, I yeah. still call him that a couple of times, but um, on yeah. the, uh, the, the buy-in we got hook against QT Marshall and Chris Stanlander against legit Layla Hirsch. Um, any, I mean, hook is must see television and the, the darling of the wrestling community. Uh, but uh, anything on the, the buy-in before we get into the main show? Um. It, this is this it's it's all the hook show right now you know yeah. it's and it's it's gonna stay that way it's only gonna get bigger too and i think this is first like i know it's it's on the buy-in but i'm pretty like this is his first pay-per-view event and mm -hmm. so you know it's it's i it's the hook show and then with statlander and and hirsch not to get too political but with this current climate that we are living in i wonder what they're going to do with legit Layla Hirsch and her Russian background. I wonder if they're going to lean into it even more or if they're going to step away from it. Because again, with this current climate, it's uh, you see, 
leagues all around sports kind of, you know, stepping away from it. So I wonder what that, and that's just me being very political and who I am. And it's my, one of my major flaws as a person, Uh, but the actual match itself, I think, I, I think it's Statlander. I think it's Statlander. And because she's already fought for the title. And I think if you want to keep her in the mix, you give her the win here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, okay, so under the pay-per-view portion, just going in the order that uh, Wikipedia has it in here, uh, Jade Cargill against Ty Conti for the AEW TBS Championship. Not a, a massive blood feud or anything in this. I imagine Jade Cargill gets the win and we continue the Goldberg streak with, uh, yeah. with, with, with the, the TBS champion. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, she is a legit ratings draw. And so having her drop the title right here just doesn't make any sense. And as you mentioned, there is no blood feud here. There isn't anything built up to the point where it's just like, oh, okay. So I can totally see Jade Cargill losing here. I can't because mm-hmm. I, I think she wins. And I mean, uh, you know, just mentioned this with, with Statlander. I mean, Ty Conti is, is also in the title mix. She fought for the title full gear, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's still the uh, Jade show. Uh, Six man tornado tag team match, the Andrade and Hardy family office. You have Andrade, Alilo, Isaiah Cassidy and Matt Hardy against Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara and sting. Um, I get wanting to put sting on a pay-per-view. This seems honestly like uh, we, we maybe could have had sting sit this one out. I don't know if we needed sting in this one. I hate the Andrade Hardy family office. Um, that, that needs to die a very quick death. So I'm, I'm guessing the baby faces get the win in this one, but this is, um, yeah, that this is the, the least excited I've been for a sting match in a very long time. I'll say that. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. Like, Hey, it's a pay-per-view let's put sting on it. Why not? But I do think that this could have been switched with the rampage, um, TNT title fight with Sammy Darby and Andrade I think that match and this match could have been flipped yeah I I would definitely agree with you on that one the AEW world tag team titles on the line it is the Jurassic Express taking on Red Dragon taking on the Young Bucks first of all how damn good is this match going to be oh my god oh my god and and the build-up to this specifically Mm -hmm. Red Dragon and the Young Bucks it has been picture perfect and the actual match itself every but all three of these teams we all know that they can go and i figure like this is going to be what 20 25 minutes if that and and yeah i think the match itself is going to be great now in terms of who wins um i don't want to say that they haven't really done much with jurassic express because they have you know uh defended the title on dynamite and rampage but it, it there hasn't been something to really sink their teeth into right there hasn't and, really been a story aside from the yeah. feud with the to, to steal a, a term from uh, your favorite wrestler with the ass boys um yeah. aside yeah. aside from that feud there, there hasn't really been a whole lot for them like the main focus has been this red dragon young bucks thing yeah yeah and and i think with that i'm leaning towards red dragon here mm. um yeah just because with that, you can still do multiple storylines moving forward with the Young Bucks because that has been kind of the the main focal point in this match, in this trios match. We should be talking about Jurassic Express as the champions, but 
storyline wise, the biggest one, biggest thing that jumps out is Red Dragon and Young Bucks. And if Red Dragon wins here, this could set up something moving forward with a different potential tag team, which is also slated for this card. And we'll get to that mm. pretty soon. So, all right. Um, so, uh, along like with this one, the, the way I kind of see it, I wonder if we get like Red Dragon and the Young Bucks kind of cost each other and Jurassic Express okay, yeah. kind of swoops in and get, gets the win. If you do that, you then need Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Express to look very strong in the next feud that they have because you're right, they do feel like an afterthought in this. But I wonder if you, you kind of like really ramp things up with red dragon against the young bucks and have the title picture be over on, on something else. That's just, that's probably the, the way okay. I would do it. Yeah. yeah. I, and and I'd, I'd be okay with that too. Um, again, all three teams, big fan of all three teams, but yeah. to me that the one that kind of jumps out is red dragon, but I'd be okay with all, like no matter who wins here, I'd be okay with it. Um, with like, I, I was thinking about this the last couple of nights when we've had all the the tag team battle royals and seeing all of the talent, and now we get a little bit more with um, uh, Darius Martin coming back yeah, last night right. uh, yeah. on Wednesday night. Yeah, so I, like that's that that seems very exciting to me. Would you would you be okay with a, a secondary tag team title? Like if there was the the United States Tag Team Championships, they they did this back in the day in um, in. in I guess NWA would, would this be something you would be into if there was a, a like a, a secondary tag team titles or is that kind of muddying things too much? I think that muddies things too much. Okay. And you know, the rumor has it that they're going to be introducing a trios tag team pretty soon here. Mm. And with that, I think that's perfect for whenever Kenny comes back. Yeah. You know, Kenny the Bucks. Um, and, and yeah, like, I think if you're going to introduce anything when it comes to tag teams, it, to me, I think the perfect answer is a trios title. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right, up next, John Moxley against Brian Danielson. I think the build for this, it's been unique with the, like, I, I want to team with you. Well, we're not going to team yeah. unless we're fighting. Um, so that this is a very interesting act one for Moxley against Brian Danielson. I can't wait for this match coming up on Sunday night. It has been fantastic. It, like... When Brian Danielson put it out there, because after following the Hangman feud, he was pretty much the. I wouldn't necessarily say like he he was beloved by the fan base. I mean he he he's done fantastic heel work, and it, it's 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 a, it's incredible. But him putting it out there that hey, John Moxley, we could take over things, and this is what I was referring to with. The, uh, the the tag team title fight is if Danielson and Moxley end up becoming a tag team, they could run a rough shot over the mm -hmm. tag team titles. And yeah, like I, I think the, the build up to this has been great. The promos have been fantastic. Oh. When, when, when John, Mo like John Moxley is white hot right now. And, yeah. and a lot of that is, is him coming back from hiatus and the pop that he got after that. And, and since then, he has just been building and building and building. And yeah, like the promos have been, have been great. This is, I, I can't wait for this match. And I can't wait for what they have in store afterwards. Yeah. Because if this was just all a ploy of Brian Danielson to kind of get Moxley out of the picture, 
to a certain degree. Like, let's just say if, if Danielson wins here and gives Moxley a loss, Danielson's still in the title picture. Mm-hmm. Moxley, not so much. And if that was the entire ploy all along, beautiful. Fantastic. Yeah. But if he was genuine in, in the sense that, like, hey, let's team up, that's, that's to me, even better. And, and I can't wait for what they have in store after this. But the match itself, I can't wait for it. I think Moxley takes this. Yes, I do too. I, I think Moxley gets the win in this one. Um, and that, that sets up a, a tag team thing. And like we've ta- already, we've talked about how great this tag team division is. Like Jurassic Express against Moxley and uh, Danielson would yeah. be great. Those guys against FTR would be art. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and again, like those guys versus Red Dragon, like uh-huh. Danielson versus Tyle O'Reilly, like that Danielson and Bobby Fish. I know they did a singles thing early in uh, Danielson's tenure in AEW, but I'd, be, I'd love to see Danielson and Tyle O'Reilly go at it. Yeah, it's funny. All these dream matches that we thought of when it was like, hey, maybe Danielson and Punk can team up. Um, yeah. they're, they're right there for, <laughs> for Moxley now, too. Yeah. Um, up next, Jericho against Eddie Kingston. That promo battle they had a couple of weeks ago was phenomenal um eddie kingston dude could read a phone book and i'd be into it i i am and i was not a big eddie kingston guy coming into this i thought he was just kind of okay well he's 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 one of those guys where like me and the indie fans don't necessarily mesh but having watched him on this stage now for about a year the dude has been untouchable he is so good i hope he gets the win here over jericho on sunday i really do like I, i i think this would be a great kind of launching point for him oh yeah and i i Every time that I see Eddie Kingston now, um, I go back to our best and worst of show at the end of last year. And I kill myself that I didn't put Eddie Kingston as best promo in wrestling. Mm-hmm. I think I, I put CM Punk in there, but Eddie Kingston is quite possibly the best promo in wrestling. Everything that he says, you can tell it, there's some realism involved. And he's, he's taking that from you know, past life experiences, past wrestling experiences, whatever it may be. But as you mentioned, you know, you can read a phone book and and you'd be enthralled by it because he is that damn good. And when it comes to the actual wrestling part, he is still very good. But every time that he's been on that stage, you know, Jericho mentioned it, he's lost. He's lost to Danielson. He's lost to Punk. You know, he's the win-loss record is not so great when it comes to Eddie Kingston. But I think Mm -hmm. this is... This is a match that I think he needs to win. And more so just because, you know, I just mentioned it. He hasn't had the best of winning streaks. And every yeah. time we talk about Eddie Kingston, we always talk about his promo, but we don't talk about the success factor involved. He can sell out an entire arena by just talking. But in terms of the actual wrestling part, uh, it hasn't been that great. And I think he needs to win here. And just mentioned the trios, uh, potential trios title. If Santana and Ortiz come out to help him, bam, you got another Ooh. trio right there. Yeah, man, I that that's my one issue with, with everything that's gone on is that um, Santana and Ortiz have kind of been pushed to the background after I thought like Santana. I thought dude, they were going to be pushed, man. I thought they were yeah. going to push to the moon. I thought they were going to be part of this entire uh, trios tag team title uh, match, but. Yeah, like they they they've shown that you know they are that damn good in in the qualifying uh, little rumbles that they had, but yeah, like they they, they didn't end up winning, and and yeah, yeah I, I honestly thought they were going to strap the rocket on them, but yeah. I did too. And like Santana's going to be a world champion someday. That dude is I hope unbelievably so. oh my God, good, so good. Yeah, 
So I, I hope that they come out of this with like a bit of an extended something um, going on here in terms of Jericho's place in AEW right now. Like it does, like we, we talked about this with, with the, the Cody news about how like this next wave of stars have come into AEW and kind of had these guys fade to the background. And as much as I like Chris Jericho, it kind of feels like he fades the background a little bit. Like it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't feel special anymore that Chris Jericho is here. I, I think um, like there's been some talk, maybe he'd want to go back to WWE um, which whatever, if he wants to do that, fine. The sure. I've, I've, I've pre-ordered the video game. The video game could use them. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like if nothing else, Jericho needs to step away for a while. Like let, let it be special yeah. when you come back. Yeah. And I mean, like he's, he's proven that he can do that too, you mm-hmm. know, where he takes a hiatus, whether it be touring with his band or, you know, writing a book or whatever it may be. He's proven time and time again, that when he steps away and then when he comes back, it's electric and it's, it's huge because right now it's like, he's trying to get over this, this catchphrase. What is it? Um, GFY, right? Yeah. Not a huge fan of that. And, and, you know, it's just comparing himself to like Kylie Jenner and all this stuff. Like it's, it's great. It's cute, but it's, it's not the same Jericho. Yeah. It's it's not, you know, the, the same Jericho who helped start this company essentially. And so, yeah, like I'm with you, like he needs to kind of, step away for a little bit and you know when he comes back it's going to be even better now whether that be at wwe or aew at, who knows but it, when it comes to aew anyways i i'm with you i think that he needs to step back because again he's proven it time and time again when he steps away and then when he comes back it's huge it's massive and and yeah. this uh this is the, their first ever aew champion as well Yes. Yeah, that's right. And so if, if it were me and if he is staying in AEW, I would have him kind of like, he gets beaten down and has to leave for a little bit. And Santana kind of takes the reins of, um, of the inner circle for a bit. And then when Jericho comes back, you have kind of this like death feud for the leader of the inner circle. And that's Santana's kind of rocketing into the main event picture. That's, that, that's how I would see it anyway. Yeah. I'd be down with that. And my only uh, thing, though, about that, though, is what do you do with Jake Hager? Because Hager has kind of been with Jericho. Like, he's been Jericho's almost right-hand man. Yeah. And and when the inner circle kind of imploded, you could, like, you saw Sammy Guevara basically just walk away. And Hager was still there with Jericho. And so I wonder what they're going to do with Hager then. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a good point. Um, let him go fight in MMA for a little bit. He, I, he's yeah, getting ready sure. for a fight anyway. So, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be a good, like, they they kind of part for a bit. Um, up next, this is the Face of the Revolution ladder match for a future AEW TNT Championship match, um, which admittedly, having it be for the TNT Championship is a little underwhelming instead of it yeah, being with for yeah. the, the main title, but still, it's going to be a big one. Um, we have a couple candidates for the Big E, Big Meaty Men, Smack and Meat, um, as yeah. we have Keith Lee, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Wardlow in this. We also have Orange Cassidy and Ricky Starks, and then either Christian Cage or Ethan Page. I will be perfectly honest with you. Anyone wins this and I'm okay. Um, like of the of the seven superstars that were mentioned, seven for seven. Uh, like I, I have no issues with anyone in this match winning this bout. I, I think the only one that I would kind of be like, huh, I'm iffy about this is Ricky Starks because he already has the FTW title. Mm-hmm. And they haven't really done anything with the FTW title either. Like I would think that when they start a rampage, all right, this is <clears throat> this is kind of like the TNT title and the FTW title show. 
Yeah. And they haven't done anything with the FTW title. So I, 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 I'd be a little iffy if Ricky Starks wins this. But I will say, you mentioned it right there, big meaty men slapping meat. And you have a lot of guys that can take a whole lot of punishment in Orange Cassidy, Ricky Starks. But I would say, get Christian Cage, get Ethan Page out of there. Bring back Marco Stunt. And <laughs> then you can have basically lawn darts, but yeah. with wrestling. Yeah, that, that would be a lot of fun. Um, I think you can do that with Ricky Starks a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, you but, can. Yeah. yeah, like we just, we haven't seen this many big dudes in a ladder match like this before. And it's, excuse me, athletic big guys, right? Like Keith Lee yeah. in a ladder match is going to be a blast. Same thing with Wardlow. Oh, yeah. Same thing with Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, I To me, it's probably Keith Lee who gets the win. Um, like I, I think you, you have brought him in. Let's, let's give him a big thing here. Um, if... I don't think it's the time for Wardlow and like with powerhouse Hobbs, I think he should be on this level, but we just, like you said, with Ricky Starks, we just haven't done enough with him yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with Wardlow, you know, they keep on hinting at it. They keep on hinting at that split with MJF and then fuck, they, they did a phenomenal job of that on Wednesday where mm. MJF basically just told him, Hey, you work for me. You don't work for AEW. And Hey, if you win this, uh, the TNT title, which you won't, you can keep it fantastic. And then at the end, he slaps Wardlow right in the face. Yeah. So they, they, they're on the precipice of that. And yeah, like, I mean, it's, I, I'm with you. Like I can see any one of those, those performers win and I'd be okay with it. But again, just maybe not Ricky Starks. Um, but I'm with you on this. I, I, I think this is Keith Lee's match to lose because he's a huge name. He's a huge performer. The guy can still go. And, and yeah, I think, I think, man, I, I think Keith Lee wins this, or you can have a special entrant and that be Cesaro or sorry. Um, yeah. Cesaro. And yep. then you can have that visual of him grabbing the brass ring, which would be amazing. Oh, that'd be so good. Um, my, my want still for Cesaro. And I put it out, speaking of the video game, I put it in every video game that I play. It's Cesario, uh, Cesario, Jesus. Um, I'm mixing up the names now. Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero getting back together and putting the Kings of Wrestling back. We got, we got Ring of Honor again. Let, let's, yeah. let's do it. But yeah, Cesaro grabbing the brass ring would be, um, would be pretty spot on. Uh, up next, yeah. it is the AEW Women's Championship as Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, takes on Thunder Rosa. I will admit, um, I thought I, I thought this build would be a little bit better than it has been. Like, it's it's been building and building and building, but we just haven't had that crescendo yet that I think this one needed to remind everyone that these two had the match of the year, and it was a bloody battle. Um, and I admittedly, I didn't see the countdown show, so maybe they did a better job on that, but I thought on television that the build for this kind of needed to be just a, a touch more emphatic than it was. The build to this has been a bit weird because they had a tag team uh, match on dynamite and i'm i'm in the mentality of the challenger and the title holder should not touch until the pay-per-view because it adds it builds more it builds more intrigue it, it it just adds more to this feud which again was the feud of the year last year and then you have thunder rosa winning and uh, wrestling history will tell you she's not winning here um but uh, maybe they're playing the long game here maybe they have Britt Baker winning here and her saying, yeah, we are one-on-one because her lights out match technically did not count. 
and they're building up even more to all out and and you know adding adding layers to this feud but mm-hmm. here i can yeah i i can see Britt baker winning hmm. yeah i am um, i'm with you i didn't like the the i i didn't mind like if you're gonna do the tag match thing just have it be like a, a quick like a hot tag thunder rosa comes in boom 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 but they had like most of the match together um and i yeah. i i didn't like that i i'm with you um i'm uh, where I'm not with you, I think Thunder Rosa gets the win here. I, I think that okay. um, uh, while the, the build has been a bit underwhelming, I do think that she uh, does get the, the win in this and then the, the feud can continue on from there. But I I think that we've kind of, I don't want to say reached our peak with Brit because like she's a phenomenal performer. So yeah, I was just going to ask you. So do you feel like currently her title reign has been a bit underwhelming? Um. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Like she's just, she's just like, she's clearly the best, right? Like that yeah, to yeah, me. Absolutely. And so, um, but maybe a little bit, like I, nothing really major stands out from it, I guess. Um, so yeah, maybe a little bit, but I, I just, I feel like with Thunder Rosa, you kind of freshen things up. You allow some more heel challengers to feel like they have an opportunity right now. Cause you have a heel champion, both with the TBS and with the main title. So it's yeah, like, if, yeah. if you're a, a heel on the women's side right now, there's just nothing for you to do. So I, I think you get Thunder Rosa to get a win here and maybe just freshen things up a little bit. Brit's always going to be relevant. Um, yeah. But I, I think you kind of need to, to freshen up the title picture for the, the women's side right now. Yeah. And, and I would be that like totally okay. If, if Thunder Rosa wins here, um, yeah. I think she's absolutely like what, top three women's wrestlers, on the face of the planet, Thunder Rosa. Yeah. And it's it's hilarious because she was originally supposed to be a coach at the WWE Performance Center. And, you know, like, look at her now. And, and yeah, like, I, I would be totally okay if Rosa wins here. And, uh, yeah, again, you, you can add more layers to this feud. And, you know, maybe they run it back at all in or double or nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, up next, it is the dog collar match. CM Punk oh, against MJF. Uh, it gets taken to another level on Dynamite on Wednesday. Uh, a controversial last couple of weeks for this feud yeah. as MJF with a very like heartfelt, very real promo. And it's it's a little bit more difficult to hate this guy after he says all of that. And then they come, they, they come right back on Wednesday and turn him around. Um, he, he steals some references from a, a punk promo back in Ring of Honor. He steals some references from uh, Hollywood. Th- there's a lot here with this MJF CM Punk feud. I, I don't mind how they handled the, the last couple of weeks. It's different. And if nothing else, we don't get a lot of um, villain origin stories in professional yeah. wrestling. And that's basically got what we got here with MJF. How do you think the last couple of weeks have been handled with this feud? And where do you think this match is going? I think it's been beautiful. I think it has been absolutely beautiful. And yeah, I, I can see why people find it controversial because especially Wednesday where MJF says, I'm a snake. You can never trust me. But then the week prior, he, he you know, he's, he's crying on camera. He's talking about, you know, the, the terrible stories that he had to go through in, in high school and whatnot. And CM Punk was always there. And yeah, you mentioned it. CM Punk is basically, and even CM Punk mentioned it. Hey, am I, am I the Frankenstein and he's my monster? Essentially, mm-hmm. yeah, because CM Punk created the monster. And and it's 
it's fitting that it is a dog collar match because like visually they are linked together and the storyline has told us they will always be linked together and it, it has been again beautiful because you have MJF being human for once but then showing his true colors uh, on Wednesday and yeah it's it's this is probably second or third match that I'm looking forward to the most. And yeah, I, I think it's been great. Um, promo work has been, you know, it's, it's two of the best mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah, I cannot wait for this. Yeah. And I, I think CM Punk wins this. And mm. I think, I think they definitively get Wardlow turning on MJF and the way that I'm kind of picturing it is MJF asking for the diamond ring and Wardlow being like no and just wow. walks away yeah it's just the way I would do it but nice um and then I wonder what like the the big blow off maybe this is the big blow off to the feud then and then you, yeah. you spin those two off that way um yeah. I'm I'm going MJF here I I think MJF wins and then he wins the um he wins the title I I think that he that like the, the last little stretch here for MJF, I think he's shown he is the best in this company right now. And okay. I I think he gets the win here and that sets up at double or nothing MJF against Hangman Adam Page for the, the championship. And you can kind of have the the Triple H Batista, Wardlow and MJF type of a, a feud there. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know where this would leave CM Punk coming out of that to, to have now um, through, uh, two losses to MJF. And I mean, he lost twice to him in one night. Um, but to, to have the two losses to, to MJF, he's certainly not one who like his wins or losses really matter, but I, I wonder where they would go after that. But that's uh, not something that, that your scenario would necessarily have to worry about. No, but I mean, like I'd be okay with MJF winning too. And and that's, that's the beauty of this, of this effing card is, is because whoever wins, whoever loses, I'm legitimately okay with it aside yeah. from, you know, the, the, the AHFO match and Ricky Starks winning the, the ladder match. I I'm okay with either winner or loser. And, and it's, oh God, it's so good. It's it is. just so damn good. And well, yeah, I'm, like, it, Oh, good. The, the thing with it too, is that like, uh, aside from, I think the main event is pretty obvious. Um, yeah. And, but aside from that, like you can make a pretty compelling case and Jade Cargill. But after that, sure, you can make sure, a pretty yeah. compelling case in every match for multiple participants to win. Like yeah. Moxley Danielson could go either way. Jericho Kingston could go either way. The, the face of the revolution ladder match, like we said, could go either way. A bunch of different directions you could go. I mean, literally three with the, the three-way tag match for the tag team titles. Uh, say we, we have differing opinions on this match and the women's championship match. There are very few, oh, well, this is obviously what's going to happen going yeah. into this pay-per-view and like i'm i'm excited for sunday i'm already excited for the wednesday after like that's oh that's God, where i am right? at to see like yeah. I, i'm already excited to see where they go after this pay-per-view and i'm excited for the pay-per-view like i just i can't i can't remember a time feeling like this with a wrestling promotion i honestly can't no no and and the closest that i i've been to this and i i talk about it all the time where where i'm on the show is uh, when I discovered New Japan, and and, mm -hmm. and that was kind of at the heyday of Kenny and the Bucks, or Kenny's rise, anyways, to the um, IWGP Championship. 
and yeah like that was the closest thing that i felt and now it's 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 even better and it's so good it's just all so good i get super amped about it and also you know you mentioned you know you, you you're getting excited for dynamite on wednesday i'm getting excited for bte on monday man i wonder what, <laughs> what, what, what kind of crazy shit they're gonna pull off there but yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah going back to the card um yeah, I, I can see CM Punk winning here. I can also see MJF winning here in terms of what's next if if MJF wins for uh, CM Punk. Fuck it. Get him to join John Moxley and Brian Daniels. Oh, oh, that'd be good. <laughs> Man, like you got the all the Ring of Honor stuff now. Like just have like Moxley wasn't an ROH guy, but have like Punk and Danielson and just yeah. call them Honor Club. Um yeah. and yeah, oh. Yeah, the, the possibilities with Punk are endless, and that's why it's so exciting that yeah. he's there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this brings us to the main event. It is Adam v. Adam Page against Cole for the AEW World Championship. I think the build-up for this has been good. Um, we talk about potentially underwhelming title reigns. I don't think Page's has been too underwhelming because we have a couple of match-of-the-year candidates out of it with his, his feud with uh, Brian Danielson. But post-Danielson, it's been a bit eh. I think it kind of has picked up here, and I think he gets a win in this match against Adam Cole. Same. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it underwhelming. I mean, him versus the Murder Hawk was just violent. Mm. And it was brutal, and it was beautiful at the same time. Um, yeah. I, I think that match definitely solidified that Hangman Page is, when we talk about the best wrestlers in the world, Hangman Page needs to be on that. Like, he needs mm-hmm. to be in that conversation. He's, he's definitively top four, top five. He has to be because his in-ring work is phenomenal. Like it's, you don't see him butcher anything. You don't like he, he, everything that he does is perfect. Right. And the buildup to this has been, it's been a bit short, but granted their history together. I think that kind of adds more layers to this already bit of a short feud. Um, yeah. I think what you're going to see here is a whole lot of interference, a whole lot of interference from red dragon, Maybe the Young Bucks, um, Adam Cole kind of having to choose, hey, are you with us? Are you with not? Are you not with us? And, and whatnot. And then maybe the Dark Order coming out as well, just to help out Hangman. But I think, yeah, I think Hangman wins this. And then maybe, and this is just me, maybe this sets up the return of Kenny Omega. Because mm. when he left, he basically was just like, yeah, I'm leaving you in charge. And... Adam Cole was just like, I got this cleaner, which if you don't know, is, is one of the funniest Twitter jokes ever when it comes to uh, Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, Kenny Omega returns. And again, this is just me. Kenny Omega returns, looks at Adam Cole, and it's just like, what have you done to what right. I left you with? And that would be fantastic. Yeah. I wonder if we get a, a Jay White involvement in this too. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. And no, that's what I, I'm saying, I, like, like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of interference involved. Yeah, this has the, the makings of being kind of Attitude Era-esque sure. with all the, the different stories that, that go into it. And that's, I honestly, I have no problem with, with that sort of a, a thing when we're going to get a lot of high-quality wrestling on this show. Um, gee, I, I'm glad we could do a bit of a, a palate cleanse in, in talking about something, uh, something that you like for once. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I am who I am. Yeah. Uh, quickly, before we go, just to ruin all of that, um, there is also a, a UFC card this weekend. We have yeah. Colby Covington in the main event. Uh, Greg Hardy is also fighting on the main card. Is this the least likable UFC main card in the history of the UFC? I would say so. Yeah. I would say so. Um, Colby, Colby Covington needs to get just 
demolished here, but I feel like Masvidal is going to win this via decision. Um, and yeah, but I, they they they've talked so much shit together or uh, about each other. It's all about selling the pay per view, right? Yeah. And I, I think Masvidal wins this via decision. Um, Kobe's wrestling is better than Masvidal's, but Masvidal is better striking and. The, one of the things I don't want to see here is the winner go on to face Usman because right. Usman is on a completely different level and he's destroyed both these cats. Yeah, and twice. Twice, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, in, in, I, Masvidal takes this via decision. Um, there, there are a lot of other intriguing fights. I mean, Dos Anjos is on this. Yep. Um, Barbosa, that should be a decent fight. Um. But yeah, let's go, Sergey. Let's beat the shit out of Greg Hardy. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's that's something we can definitely all get behind. And like honestly, yeah. Masvidal has had to um, has like he he's played the role of the heel against Usman in back to back fights too, and um, he's done it too well because I, I I have lost a lot of respect for for Jorge Masvidal as well. So yeah. if this if this UFC main event ended in a double knockout, I, I would absolutely be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, and then have him running back, but have him running back on, you know, the co-main events or even on the fucking prelims. I don't care. Yeah, on a fight night um, card, but I don't have to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Thank you for this. I always appreciate it. Always fun chatting with you. Uh, enjoy what's going to be a very busy weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, buddy. All right, that is the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. And thank you to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. Join their March Madness promotion. If you phone and book and mention you want to book the March Madness promotion, you will get 10% off of your first invoice with them. Go to clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Twitter and Instagram, I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. If you want to fuel your next gaming um, night, I was going to say excursion. That's not right at all. If you want to fuel your next gaming night, go to swiftlifestyles.com. Use the promo code PRIMETIMEPK when you're checking out. Get 15% off. They got some stuff for focus. They got some stuff for energy. They got some great shakers. They got some great shirts. So check them out, swiftlifestyles.com. Like I said, it's going to be a busy weekend for us here at Couch Potato Diary. Sunday is AEW Revolution. We will be live on Twitch immediately following that. And I'm hoping to do something on Sunday morning. If none of that's for you, I'll talk to you all on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'm out.